You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. And welcome to the latest episode of Prem Talk from the Match Day FM podcast. And it's getting to the business end of the season with plenty to play for. And the next trophy is up for grabs at the weekend with the FA Cup final taking place, which is going to be one of the main talking points of this latest episode, which sees me, Chris Stott, alongside Chris Coughlin, who's sporting a Liverpool shirt as he says it's a coincidence, but I, gen- I, I honestly, I genuinely forgot. I, 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 I got, I got home from work, decided what to put on because I'm just in my loungy tracksuit and stuff. Happened to put on this lovely number, and it's just a coincidence. Yeah, a nice coincidence. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I mean, it's it's nice to see somebody in a position to actually feel proud enough to wear their club colours. <laughs> because, quite frankly, right now, I do not have There's that a, feeling. Only one more game. Yeah. Only one more game. I mean, the beauty of how much is going on in the Premier League right now means that we don't have to talk about Manchester United for once. Um, so, Because they're not even in the top four debate anymore, so we can just uh, sweep them under the carpet and go the straight Conference in. League debate. That's not even a debate. <laughs> We're ended up in it. West. Uh, uh, imagine, imagine. Because well, I mean, quickly on it, it, it would just it's it would be the epitome of the worst case scenario because for West Ham to um, to do it and get would into the Europa City. League, yeah, which would hand Liverpool the league. So it's <laughs> we could end up in the conference and see Liverpool win win the league, and it's, oh, <laughs> yeah, it would just some this season up but less about <laughs> yeah. that horror story um and let's go on to the FA Cup final um Liverpool have one trophy in the bag in the league cup looking to make it at very least a domestic cup double um taking on Chelsea who just seem to be in an FA Cup final every year don't they um seems to be yeah they've just got a habit of getting there um I mean to be fair I think they've had an okay run, shall we say, um, in getting there. They probably had the they had the easier of the two semi-finals, without a shadow of a doubt, and have had a, a few championship sides along the way. So this is probably the first test they've had in the competition, really, isn't it? Yeah, you, you, you factor in as well Chesterfield at Stamford Bridge, scraped past Plymouth. In extra time, Plymouth actually missed a penalty in that game to take yeah, it to a penalty mm. shootout as well. Um, a lot of people, I'm sure, could then hear us talking about that, and then rightly or wrongly throw it at uh, throw it at Liverpool and their route to the Champions League final, which I'm sure mm. a lot of a lot of people have, have their thoughts about that, don't they? But um, ultimately, my, my thought about knockout football: you can talk about easy routes all you want. I've shown there with Chelsea, they had to see off tough tests um, as well for Luton they were behind twice mm. kind of worth the road as well um, so yes I think it is it, you know, the hardest test for Chelsea has come in the final absolutely um, it's a Liverpool side without Fabinho uh, it's 
we'll wait to see if Mateo Kovacic is available. Thomas Tuchel said he's being assessed. Um, but it, it is interesting for Chelsea because it, th- th- they certainly can't say they don't have experience of major finals, given that they do seem to end up in one every single year. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it'll be a big test. But I think for both Liverpool and Chelsea, if you're going to win trophies at some point, you need to beat a very big boy more often than not. 100%. And what is sort of nice little subplot is the fact that it's a repeat of the League Cup final. And it's yes. first time in a very long time that um, both domestic cup finals have been um, the, se- the same same matchup. Do you think the fact that they've already played each other at Wembley this season will have any bearing on it? Because obviously it went all the way um, in, in the League Cup final. Do you think there's that sort of added thing for Chelsea? Of, it's a little bit of revenge because getting to two cup finals is a good achievement, but to lose two, two cup finals would be a bit of a kick in the teeth, wouldn't it? I was just trying to think then just on, on the original point because I was trying to, without looking at it, remember, the, the last one I can remember would be Arsenal-Sheffield Wednesday. So I don't know whether, like, is that, is that the one? Am I... Could, have, have, could have well be that. just kicked in then? Because <laughs> the only other team I... Didn't Middlesbrough make both cup yeah, finals? They, Middlesbrough Lost made both one cup to final, Chelsea. Yeah, and one was, the other one was against Leicester, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, with, with, with the Here replay. we go. I've just got yeah. scrolled as far. Uh, this is the first time that the same teams have met in both the EFL Cup and FA Cup finals in the same season since Arsenal and Sheffield Wednesday Get it! in 1993. It... He's got it. Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. It's what? Just under under 30 years. Um, so yeah. it's, it's a rare thing. Do you think mentality for, for both, I suppose, with Liverpool winning the reverse one gives them sort of that psychological thing. But they haven't won the FA Cup since 2012, whereas Chelsea have won it recently. No, well, t- 2006, so the last time the two teams met in the finals, 2012, that was Chelsea. Um, 2-1 with uh, Ramirez and Drogba, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because Jurgen Klopp said today that they didn't actually beat Chelsea as such. You know, it went 120 minutes and um, I think everybody watching it aged about a thousand years from both persuasions. No wrong for a nil-nil. Awesome game. Brilliant, brilliant football match. Um, and also the two league games between the two sides have been interesting this year. Liverpool will feel that they should have won them both, which um, would have put them top of the Premier League as things stand. Um, you know, there was the one-one at Anfield when Chelsea had ten men for a whole half. And the game of Stamford Bridge when Liverpool went 2-0 up and Chelsea scored two goals late in the first half to, uh, to level it at 2-2. Um, as far as the Carabao Cup final goes, I suppose winning, you know, there is no substitute for getting your hands on a trophy. Um, there is no substitute for that feeling of knowing what it feels like at Wembley because ultimately it, it, is, it is a saying, isn't it, that Wembley isn't a place for losers. Um, because you, you only want you, know, you the only reason why you're going to leave Wembley happy is if you've won a game of football. Um, so yeah, it's it, it, it the mentality wise for both teams because they both had marathon seasons, both had very long seasons. Well, we talk about Liverpool, Liverpool will have played every single game possible this season when it comes to the end of it. For Chelsea, Chelsea will have only played three games less. Mm. 
got to the Carabao Cup final. Uh, well, in, in fact, when you factor in the um, when you factor in the Club World Cup, um, Chelsea, I think, in all competitions will have actually played the same as Liverpool, won't they? Including the mm-hmm. Super Cup as well. So, it, it marathon seasons for both, and mentally, it's it, it's incredible, really. I, th- I think mentally, it might have had a little bit more of a strain on Liverpool just because there's been more pressure for longer when you involve the league. But yeah, it it will be a battle of plenty of subplots as well all over the pitch and in the dugout as well and just sort of broaden it for for liverpool's perspective obviously they're still able to good chance of the quadruple um we've seen Klopp rotate a bit um in recent weeks because it's been basically two games a week for the last um few weeks with the champions league um as well so what do you think he's going to do with this um you mentioned fabinho um is out and he would probably, you know, is the player you start in midfield in, in big games, isn't it, really? Um, and he's got the front three conundrum. What approach do you think he's going to take in this one? Well, the on Fabinho, first of all, the most natural thing to do would be to, to drop Henderson to the six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it feels the most likely replacement for Fabinho. Then you go with Thiago and Keita in front of Jordan Henderson. I think that's that's the midfield three I expect. Um, Curtis Jones played in a week at Aston Villa. Rare start for him, and I don't think he did badly. But such is the quality of Liverpool's midfield. You do need to stand out. Um, and I think it was more of a dogged display from Curtis Jones more than anything else. Um, the front three is, well, two of that front three are nailed down, surely, for the game, which would be Luis Diaz and Sadio Mane. Um, and the reason why I say that is because those two are in far better form than Mohamed Salah, who's up for the, who's up for the player of the season, um, which obviously we'll, we'll discuss later on. But Salah's form since AFCON and Mane's form since AFCON, they've just gone in totally different directions. And this is Sadio Mane, who... You know, he's playing in several different positions now. Playing as playing is down the middle. He's an absolute animal. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, whether this is last season for Liverpool as well um, remains to be seen with with the interest from Bayern Munich. And Sadio Mane, if if he wins this, as for a lot of this Liverpool team, if he wins this trophy, then certainly in terms of and you know, externally in terms of Super Cup and stuff. But if you're talking a Premier League, Champions League, League Cup, and FA Cup. The majority of the Liverpool squad, including Sadio Mane, will have will have completed the lot, which would be a brilliant achievement. Um, and one final one for cent for defence. You would think three of the back four would sort themselves. I just think because Joel Matip hasn't played well, Joel Matip played obviously against Aston Villa, but he started as well in the Carabao Cup final. And I'm trying to second guess Tuchel here because Havertz didn't start either of Chelsea's last two games, and even though Lukaku's now in goal scoring form. That's so interesting. Does he then bring Havertz back in or does he keep Lukaku going? Because I think Klopp brought Kanate on for extra time at Wembley in the Carabao Cup final because Lukaku had been subbed on. So it was a more natural battle. Um, so it is a bit of second guessing could be taking place. But uh, yes, I, I think for Liverpool, there would be rotation. And then as well, going into the Southampton game on Tuesday, I think that much rotation with the Champions League final in mind would depend on City's results at West Ham. As for Chelsea, you touched on one of the points there about whether Lukaku gets the nods. He's he's not been playing. Let, let let's 
let's be brutally honest, he hasn't had a kick for, for ages. And then he got a couple of goals against Wolves. Um, so you mentioned the, that conundrum. Other than that, the team is sort of pretty much picking itself. Um, they are likely to be missing Kovacic and Kante in midfield. So they're down to sort of the bare bones and whoever can run is going in midfield right now, isn't it? Um, that, rule, that rules me out. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think the squad is going to be really keen to do this? Obviously, the fact that they win the cup final last time, um, losing to Leicester. Uh, they've lost the League Cup final. Just, yes, they won the Club World Cup. But do you feel as though this is the one where it, and obviously they won the Champions League, do you feel as though this is the one that turns a okay season into a really decent season if they can get this trophy over the line? I just, I just thought as well, it's two FA Cup finals in a row they've lost, haven't they? Because they lost against Arsenal in uh, 2020 following Project Restart as well. Yes. Um, which, which, which you know, for itself, they won't want to make it three FA Cup final defeats in a row. Um it's, it's so interesting with Lukaku, isn't it? Because he did look so out of touch for so long. And even his goal against Leeds, he tried so hard to make that more difficult for himself before finishing it off. Um, in that, you know, if, if, if both Kovacic and Kante are out, you would imagine it's a Jorginho Loftus-Cheek midfield two, which would, sing, you know, would be some turnaround for Ruben Loftus-Cheek, really, to be starting an FA Cup final. Uh, with at times, I think people maybe forgot he was at Chelsea. Um, you then got the wing backs. I mean, the wing backs would be such a battle. Trent Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson versus Reese James and Marcus Alonso. Four top, top quality fullbacks. Um, Rudiger in one of his last games for Chelsea before, before joining Real Madrid. Um, and as I say, do you, if you're Thomas Tuchel, when you've been pretty vocal about it not really working for Lukaku, do you? drop him after scoring three goals in two games and bringing Kai Havertz, who you haven't started in the last two? Or do you keep it going, just say, if it, if it isn't broken, don't fix it? Um, that is a really interesting conundrum for Chelsea. I mean, if, if it was up to you, are you leaning to more, more towards Lukaku or Havertz? Because Havertz, again, he had two goals disallowed in the Carabao Cup final, and Lukaku had one. I think... Lukaku in form, we know he's as good as anybody. Yeah. And if he is on it, even Van Dijk and Canate or whoever is going to struggle to contain him. Um, I think it, I think as well, the way Chelsea are going to have to play is they're going to have to be quite direct, I think. Liverpool are going to have so much of the ball and that balling behind is going to be a threat. Both can do it, but maybe Lukaku could hold it up a bit more and allow Mason Mount, Pulisic, whoever, to come up the pitch. But Havertz does have the ability to go in behind and keep going. <laughs> he does. And just to answer your question about you know, the, you know, winning, a, winning a trophy for Chelsea, you know, the amount of clubs that want to win the League Cup, the FA Cup, you know, a, a trophy of any kind of significance. Um, and I know this might sound a bit ironic when you say if if Liverpool just won the Carabao Cup this season, it would surely feel disappointing given how well this team has talked how well this team has talked about. 
and the quality of it. But if Chelsea, for example, if Chelsea were to win the FA Cup, it's a trophy-winning season. I think that's the way a lot of people look at it now. And it, it's a bit like, you know, in the build-up to the Carabao Cup final, it's like, oh, does it really matter? As if winning a final doesn't matter. As if anybody would go, oh, I don't mind if we lose today. You know, it, it's, it's it's silly. It's really, really silly. And it, it's it's a bonkers mentality, to put it bluntly. Um, so, yeah, Chelsea winning the FA Cup would be a successful season for them. I just want to very quickly before we then move it on to title race because it's, it sort of leads us on to oh, the, t- the title race bit won't take long. <laughs> the the point you made though about Liverpool, if say, given the fact that right now they're on course for four trophies, potentially, obviously, as we're going to touch on, it looks as though the league is slowly ebbing away. If they were to only come out with the league cup, like you said, only is a bit of a strange phrase to use but when it's gone from four to one and it could happen in the space of a fortnight that just seems like a a big drop especially when people are talking about this Liverpool team being potentially one of the greatest for them to only win a league cup and be considered a great great team the two don't seem to go hand in hand do they that's a fair comment I remember a couple of years ago when Barcelona were talking about a treble um, and then, of course, that night at Anfield happened. I think they then lost the Copa del Rey final as well. Um, so, you know, those kind of things can have a really big mental impact. And if you're going, in, you're going into the final week of the Premier League season and the Champions League final in Paris, you want to go into it in a positive mindset. And the result of Aston Villa was was it was a great one in terms of coming back from behind. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 would be, I'm sure, to Liverpool fans all over. When you're talking about a potential quadruple, if it was just to be the Carabao Cup, which on paper is the lowest of the priorities, there there would be some. You know, there, there would probably be some feelings of, is that it? And I don't think that's I don't think that's out of order to say. I think there'd be a lot of people that agreed with me on that. Um, similarly with Chelsea, look, it's a difference between a double winning season and, and not potentially as well. So, yeah, it you know it, it it is a strange one because it kind of contradicts what I said, but there is a reason behind it as well. So, it is strange where yeah people can figure it out for themselves, <laughs> but I think it all makes sense. Yeah, put it this way, it was a nice balanced discussion yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. You got both sides of it in anyway. You're listening to Matchday FM. How crucial has Bruno Fernandes been? Because it, it, they've almost been, it, it, I think it's fair to say, they've just been unrecognisable since he's come in. I think he's certainly jumped into the Premier League halfway through a season and certainly shown he can swim in that particular <laughs> in that metaphor. <laughs> Rather than sink. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're we are still talking no, about football, aren't we? I oh, know, no, but no. I meant in the metaphor. The Olympics is next year, Tommy. Check out all of our podcasts so far on Anchor, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Title race discussion might not take that long. It comes back to the drop points against Tottenham for Liverpool and the fact that City have started battering teams again. To go to Wolves and win 5-1 in midweek when people thought that could be one where they could slip up and De Bruyne scores four goals 
that, you know, that's a mark of a champion team, isn't it? Responding and responding in that manner, especially after the setback in the Champions League. Oh, definitely. And I'm starting to wonder now, well, Kevin De Bruyne for player of the season, because so off, so long it looked like Salah, but De Bruyne, his form is just absolutely incredible. And for me, it was it was genuinely one of the best midfield displays in Premier League history. That for me, uh, he was just unplayable and could have had a hat trick at least with his weaker foot, <laughs> which just tells you how good Kevin De Bruyne is. Um, you know, in, in, incredible. Um, and to say to say that it, it's in City's hands now, it's not to say Liverpool don't have the quality. It's not to say that at all. It's to say, does anybody out of West Ham and Aston Villa have the quality to beat Manchester City? Because one of, you know, one of two things need to happen if City are not to win the title. Either draw both games... Or lose one. And when I say lose one, I mean by three or four in terms of the goal difference stakes. For Liverpool enter the thrash Southampton, it goes to the final day. So in a weird kind of way from a Liverpool perspective, a draw is arguably the better result in terms of City at West Ham. And that's just because then it wouldn't be down to goal difference. Because City's goal difference is better and it's very difficult to make up seven goals over a team like Manchester City in such a short space of time. But that's when I'm I sure talk Bristol about... Rovers will disagree. Well, <laughs> how on earth do we how on earth do we start picking that apart? I mean, oh my word. Um, there's a precedent thought, anyway, isn't there? Yeah, I was gonna say I was, like talking, I, I was talking to a taxi driver the other day and his his brother was down in Bristol and he's just saying no one could believe it. And I don't think the rest of the nation could either. Um but well, to be fair, Bristol, if Bristol Rovers can do it, then they, as you say, they've set the precedent, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, there are subplots to Mark Noble's last home game um, for, for West Ham, which he'll, he'll want to go out on a high. Um, but I think for Liverpool, this is why I mentioned about the Liverpool game at Southampton, because if, if, if Manchester City beat West Ham, maybe, I don't know, by, by a few goals, then the goal difference is unretrievable. Therefore, the title is pretty much unretrievable. Therefore, should Liverpool's focus from Tuesday already be on Paris? Mm. That's my yeah. thought process behind that. Yes. And I suppose I wonder if Klopp is going back of his, his mind, those scenarios, thinking it's very unlikely we're going to win the league. Let's target the FA Cup and the Champions League. It's a difficult one to manage. But that West Ham game does look like the one where they could drop points like like you've said it's it's a bit of a strange one they'd have to get beat fairly well but you could see Liverpool putting a number on Southampton the way Southampton are playing at the minute like they lost 3-0 at Brentford for example but that West Ham one is the is the one where you could see them dropping something now which means going into the final day with the Steven Gerrard connection with Aston Villa it does create a possibility but realistically if they win at West Ham, they win it, don't they? Yeah, because if they if, if Manchester City win at West Ham, the goal difference swing is eight. Or the, the goal difference is eight better than Liverpool's. And to make up that in two games 
You can't also, see City getting walloped by Villa either, can you? No, with also needing Manchester City to lose to Aston Villa. It's a big ask. It's a really big ask. And also for Liverpool, you know, Fabinho's already... He does look fit. He does look set to make the Champions League final. But again, you don't want... With a week and a half to go before a game of that magnitude, you don't want maybe to, for some players to get a knock and you end up sweating over them, especially not the, the, the senior players. Um so it is a fine balance because it's not it's not a case of a, of waving the white flag or surrendering or whatever. As I've said, it, it is acknowledgement of just how good Manchester City are, which is very, 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 very good. And I probably could add a few more varies onto that. Uh, and this is a Manchester City squad without Diaz for the rest of the season, without Stones for the rest of the season, Walker for the rest of the season. We're waiting to see on the latest on Fernandinho. Um, to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure they could just get the Aguero statue and whack it at centre half, and it'd do a decent job for City for the rest of the season. Uh, but yeah, it, it you know, I suppose when when you throw in those absentees, perhaps there might be a feeling of West Ham getting a result at least, and then it goes to the final day. Um, but it will be, it will be very interesting. And I suppose for Liverpool, perhaps it was a good thing West Ham got knocked out of the Europa League. Because that, that final is this coming Wednesday. And you can bet your bottom dollar if West Ham were in that Europa League final. I, I, if you were David Moyes, you'd probably put out the under 16s. You're listening to Matchday FM. It was isn't a hoot. We all laugh now. Was there any point when you were just like, please stop? I remember watching that match and I was thinking, when is this going to end? I was meant to be going to see uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine, and I just kept saying to me, like, you know, I'm just watching the end of this match, and then <laughs> 10 minutes later, you know, another Makes text, sense. where are you? Yeah, it still hasn't finished. And to be honest, that's probably why she's an ex-girlfriend of mine. Now. <laughs> I was going to say, but, blame, blame John Esner for that, I was. Yeah, and, uh, and Nicholas and who, yeah, both of them. This is Match Day FM, home of sporting banter and debate. In terms of top four, we had a massive game last oh, night. Yes. We're recording this on the Friday. Thursday night, we saw Tottenham dismantle Arsenal. Arsenal sort of capitulated after conceding an early penalty. Holding gets sent off and Spurs probably should have won by five or six in reality. And still, Arsenal remain fourth. They're hanging on now. Um, I remember a good while back when I was asked who's going to make the top four, I said, I just have a feeling Arsenal... There's, there's just no certainty about it because we've seen Arsenal go on a run both ways. We've seen Tottenham go on a run both ways. United and West Ham have fallen out of it uh, for different reasons. And it's become a bit of a shootout. We've got Arsenal 66, Tottenham 65. So it's point difference. And let's, let's I, 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 I was going to throw this at you because would you prefer... Burnley at home, Norwich away for Spurs, or Newcastle away, Everton at home for Arsenal. If what? if 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 you if you had to pick, if say if if you know, blindly, if I hadn't told you who who's playing who there, if you had to blindly pick which two fixtures you'd want, I think you'd probably go for the first option, wouldn't you? Yeah, you go you go for the Burnley Norwich combination, especially given that you're at home to Burnley. Last time they yeah. played there, was it the time Son scored? That, or at least, that, was, or is it the one before? 
Um, yeah, I was trying to think. I can't remember the one last season, but then there was, well, there was a 5 nil during the season that ended up in Project Restart. Absolutely. Yeah, so they've, they've got good records um, at home to them. And obviously, there's the caveat that Burnley needs something from, probably need something from this game. Otherwise, they're reliant on Leeds um, losing again, which we will come on to. But going to the last, last game of the season against an already relegated Norwich is probably the perfect fixture because if you suppose turn up, they pump them six, seven, eight nil with that front line. You know, it's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, that is. No, it? it's not. Whereas you look at Arsenal, Monday night away at Newcastle, last home game of the season. Newcastle under the lights, um, yeah. They're, they're wanting to go out on a higher. This is this is one of the sort of big games, isn't it? One of the yes. ones that you know, without, a, without the derby games to look forward to when they play Arsenal, Liverpool, and Manchester United, they're, they're the big ones. The atmosphere is going to be electric as always. So, that is a big t- task, in, not just in terms of the fo- football one to one, you know, making you you know, winning your individual battles for Arsenal, but me- mentally, because we see, we saw the creeks against um, Spurs, and that's always been the worry about Arsenal, isn't it? How Are they yeah. mentally strong enough? Because they've not, in that squad, they've not had many that's got over the line to win something, let alone get into a top four. And you're looking at it as well, holding suspended, Gabriel waiting to see on his availability. So all of a sudden now, it Arsenal could look pretty threadbare at centre-half, which is not ideal going away to Newcastle. It's It looked so rosy for Arsenal. It really did. Um, especially when they beat United. When, when, yeah, especially when they beat United, because um, then the, kind of, the Brighton defeat was kind of forgotten about when Spurs also lost to Brighton um, at, at home as well. Um, but it just because the way this art this Arsenal team have had such a roller coaster season, such a poor start, great recovery, bit of a dip in the middle, back up, and now this at Spurs because it's a psychological one as well. This it is a psychological one, and Arteta said after the game, if he said what he really wanted to say, he'd have been banned for six months. <laughs> so that tells you quite what what he was thinking. Um, about uh, about Paul Tierney's performance, um, it's so I'm I'm so I can easily make a case for both in terms of who who would who would finish top four, but I think if you're Spurs, you got the bit between your teeth now. Yeah, and I think there's a possibility Arsenal drop points on Monday night, and I think it gives Spurs the advantage potentially to go into the last day. Um, I just love the subplot that the top four and the um, and the race to stay in the league is going to go sort of hand in hand um, as well. You're listening to Matchday FM. Did look at one stage, we'd maybe have four teams battling it out for uh, for Champions League place on the final day. Obviously, Chester, sorry, yeah, Chelsea. Chester? <laughs> I know. I know. Right, it's easy, David. Uh, participation <laughs> in, this, in the Premier League. <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> Leicester, oh, Manchester United. Start again. That's yeah. going in a sting, I don't care. Banter, debate, and the odd good point too, right here on Matchday FM.
to relegation. It's still bubbling along nicely. Leeds, Burnley and Everton, the three sides still in danger with Watford and Norwich finally succumbing to the drop already. So those two are done. We know who's two of the sides coming up. It's one down, one up still to go at the minute. And as we quickly touched on, Burnley are at Tottenham this weekend. Um, then we have Everton, Brentford. I'm scrolling down to try to see when the next <laughs> sides are playing because we then have Everton against Crystal Palace. Leeds Burnley Brighton as well on and Villa. Sunday. Yeah, Leeds Brighton is yes on Sunday. Um, I knew I was I was looking for the Leeds one, I couldn't find it. <laughs> and then going into the final day, Everton at Arsenal, Burnley at home to Newcastle, who will be on the beach <laughs> by that point, I'm sure. And Leeds away at Brentford, who themselves should be deserving of a, a, a break, but um I'm sure they they'll be determined to finish their season at home on a high. But yeah, it's it's had so many twists and turns, hasn't it, this relegation battle. We looked at it a few weeks ago and thought um, that we were really worried for Everton. I know Sam as much as said they're gonna get relegated, but they've pulled it out of the bag to be fair. Performed really well at Anfield, got the win against Chelsea, backed it up at Leicester, which I think was the second first, away win. First away win since August. Which is just ridiculous in every sense. Um, and that just felt like the moment that Everton have got themselves into a position where they should save themselves. And if they don't from here, then they've bottled it. So, first of all, your, your thoughts on Everton? Yeah, I, I would see it very difficult now to see Everton going down. Um, seven points out of the last three games. Two home games to come against Brentford and Palace, as you say. And home is where the heart is, quite literally, for, for Everton. Yes, they got four points away from home in the last week, which is almost as many as they've got away from home all season. But... It's really, really important for the for the two games remaining. And the thing is, if Leeds lose against Brighton, Everton would then only require a point due to the goal difference. Um, I I personally, the goal difference is what could well harm Leeds come the final outcome. It is just so much worse than anyone else's. Uh, anyone else that can stay up, rather. Uh, I think Norwich might have a word to say about that. Norwich but... is only one worse, actually. They've only conceded one more goal of Norwich. Oh, my word. Leeds conceded 77, Watford yeah. 70, Norwich 78, which I by far and away the three worst. You're then yeah. looking at Newcastle, who, don't forget, they won't win until 2022, um, and Southampton, who every now and again, Ship seven, <laughs> so <laughs> um, yes, I, 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 yeah, I think Everton, without jumping the gun and calling them safe, I think it would be a big surprise if they went down now. Um, based on, based on the, how difficult, but one of well, but Burnley Spurs certainly difficult, and then Leeds just with the suspensions, potential injuries, um, and I think Everton with the crowd behind them who have been magnificent at Goodison Park under Frank Lampard. Uh, I think that'll be enough to see Everton over the line. 
mean, it is still possible that you we could have four teams and it, it is it, it is very much points. Possible. Yeah, and Southampton would have got away with away with it massively because um, for them to go down, there has to be an eighteen goal swing in Leeds' this favour. Um, so I mean, as we oh, touched on Tuesday, I mean South. But Liverpool need to go and score a shed blow to Southampton. Sorry, Joe, but they're uh, they're not immune to conceding a shed load. But sure, surely, the point they got a couple of weeks ago has, has, has saved them. Um, but yeah, Burnley. Um, obviously, bit of an upturn after um, Sean Dyche left. Um, I, I think we all thought it was a bit of a strange decision, but it, it seemingly worked thus far. Um, it's goals for them, isn't it? If they can score enough goals, you you feel as though from the games remaining they've got enough. Um, because when you look at it, you would imagine Burnley at home to Newcastle. That's the one. If they can win that, it's then ultimately it's all on it's all on Leeds picking up two results, which we don't really see happening. The, the funny thing was, you know, when they had two games against Aston Villa, you'd think. Okay, Villa might win one, Burnley might win one, but you'd have backed Burnley against Villa at Turf mm. Moor. That was an awful result. That was an that awful result for Burnley. Sucked the life out of, of Turf, yeah. Turf Moor. And obviously, just to say, Burnley do have, still have another game yeah. as well. Same, yeah. same with, with Everton in that respect, which makes it even more difficult for Leeds. But yeah, but Burnley, it was a real shock. Yeah. And it's, Straight after Mike Jackson, well, with Mike Jackson winning uh, Premier League Manager of the Month, as the well, curse which, strikes again. The, 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 yes, um, I have to. Say, I mean, I remember his ill-fated spell at Tranmere as well, which just makes it all a bit, a bit more surprising. But fair play, it, it, it's been a great run um, for them until the Villa game. Um, but ultimately, I think Leeds. I think Leeds know they have to win both games because I. I think okay, minimum of four. Minimum of four because if, if Leeds don't get at least four points, I would struggle to see them staying up. I think. Thing is, though, if you offered them a home game against Brighton, who, yeah. yes, they've had a bit of an upturn in form, but they've got great, great last results. We'll skip all that. <laughs> um, they're up to turning form and they've had a great season, but nobody would excuse them for being on the beach right now. Then Leeds go to Brentford. Again, Brentford have had a great season. Yes, they want to win at home for the, for the final game. But again, you'd be, you wouldn't you know, blame them for taking it a bit easy. No, and you wouldn't. Leeds, Leeds would fancy themselves in both those games to get something, which just makes I you just, think, would they? They could. They could absolutely could. I just think under Leeds, under Marsh, the defending hasn't improved one jot. Um, it seemed to for like one or two games, yeah. And then it's just flipped back, yeah. Because there was the, the draw at Palace, the 3 0 at Watford. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just look at Leeds and I don't feel they can defend. Um, the, the signings of the likes of Fairpo have been awful. Um, so you know, at the back, yes, Calvin Phillips has been a big loss, but he's come back and they haven't necessarily improved defensively. Whereas Burnley, at least, feel can keep. Teams to a minimum amount of chances, um, and again, yeah, we're we're talking about Burnley, kind of. Oh, you know, Spurs, Spurs will 
thrash them. But Burnley could go to Spurs and set up shop. And we saw against Brighton how difficult it was for Spurs to break them down. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if I had, if, if you, if, if you had, if you asked me to put money on it, I'd have to say Leeds, just because I watched that game against Chelsea, and oh, even before the red card, I didn't really know what the game plan was, and then Dan James does that stupid, stupid, you know, awful. I'm not using strong enough words, really. Awful challenge, and again, that's him nailing out for the rest of the season. Yeah, they've uh, seemed to shot themselves in in the foot in in that regards, but. You could genuinely make a case for any of them to stay up, any of them to go down, based on whichever way you look at it, which makes it fascinating. And I mean, yeah. when we next record a podcast, it will be before the final day of the season. So Everton and Burnley will have played twice by then as well. So that might skew things, um, but we'll see. I think it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. I mean, all three of the discussion points we've we've raised could be as good as done by the time we come here again over the actually I think the top four has to go to the last day if Spurs get some anything I think yeah I yeah. think if, if Spurs if Spurs beat Burnley it goes to the final day yeah but yeah so in theory well they both ways all, then doesn't it they could they could all be done by uh by this time next week which might make the final podcast of the season a bit uh, a bit of an sure. anti-climax but um listening to Matchday FM. I'm sure everybody who listens to this has seen, oh, I, I can't even bring myself to use the word football kit, the third shirt or top um, for for Manchester City. If you haven't seen it, it's basically what can only be described as a pyjama top. It's the worst football shirt I've ever seen. It's not even got a badge on it. Yeah, the, the badge is like in the background, isn't it, on the kit? And then yeah. repeating what it's... Um... I saw someone tweet that it was more offensive than the, the Super League idea, and I'd have to agree with that, to be honest. Maybe that's where all the um, the money that they should be signing on a strike has gone. Banter, debate, and the odd good point too, right here on Matchday FM. We might have this to discuss, though. We might... Because when will these get announced? Because we've got the players... It's a great question. Voting, cl- vote, voting closes on Monday. Yeah, so I would assume some point that week. Um, if it's anything like Eurovision, it'll be done in an hour, but... Um, <laughs> well, but you're the expert on sufficient... that, sir. I can't oh, really yeah. comment on that. Tell you what, FA Cup final and Eurovision on the same days. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get, get on to these Premier League awards. We've sort of given up doing our our awards. We'll stick to the people who know best, eh? Um, yeah, so we'll go not? for the uh, play of the season. Um, I mean, I still find it absolutely ridiculous that they announce these two weeks before the season ends when... Um, you might have a clear winner. You might, you know, somebody might miss the next two games or score three own goals or something. I mean, yeah, but um, <laughs> I mean, if, yeah. if Kevin De Bruyne or Jao Cancelo could oblige. <laughs> but in terms of the uh, player of the year shortlist, there's eight players. We've got uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold of Liverpool, Jared Bowen of West Ham, Jao Cancelo and Kevin De Bruyne for Manchester City. Oh, they've not done it in club order, never mind. Bukayo Saka of Arsenal, Mohamed Salah of Liverpool, Son Heung-min of Tottenham, and James Ward-Prowse of Southampton. Um, if we had more time, I'd get you to do a good old-fashioned match of the day top 10 and rank <laughs> them. But um, who would you say is probably the most deserving 
of that. You saw, I know you sort of alluded to it earlier in the podcast. It's tough, you know, because if Salah had continued his form post-AFCON, it wouldn't even be a debate. But his form has stagnated, whereas Hyun-Min Son and Kevin De Bruyne have gone from strength to strength. You know, we're t- I think we're talking a top three here. I really do, because Son scored 21 goals without a single one being a penalty. And his so, goal involvements or contributions, whatever word yeah. they want to use, that's just ridiculous. And anytime you see a Spurs goal, you just assume he's had some part to play in it. And he is, you know, he is a fantastic footballer. I thought it was funny, actually, his little rant when he went off. Um, against I loved Arsenal, it, but, to be honest. But he felt like he would, if he'd have stayed on, he was thinking, I'm getting that trick here. <laughs> no, exactly. But then if you're Conte, you're thinking, you could also get kicked, so you're off for the Burnley game. Yeah, just go and score um, that trick against Burnley instead, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, it's so interesting because I think... I'm, I'm, I still feel Salah will get the votes. But I'm feeling like De Bruyne, just for you know, the, the, the way the way he's ending the season as well. Mm-hmm. And I think more with these results as well, or with these awards, what you do closer to the date can have an impact. Um and to be fair, De Bruyne for a fair while has been has been brilliant. It's not me just saying, oh, we scored four goals in the last game against player of the season. Um, for some players, like Salah, it's effectively, he's had a bit of a half season <laughs> in a way. Um, so it is really strange. And my, my gut keeps telling me Salah will win player of the year. But I would not be surprised one bit if De Bruyne won it. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement in the sense that it's a three-horse race between Salah, Son and De Bruyne. I think I would go for De Bruyne. Just, and I also think Son would be my next choice because I think Salah has had sort of more help, if you know what I mean. It, they sort of, That front line showed it out a bit more and like you say, his form's dipped off. De Bruyne, when he wasn't in form, and doing as much was because he wasn't playing because he was injured. Whereas, and I think Son is probably held back by the fact that Spurs might not even get top four. Um, but I, I think it's good to see Jared Bowen and James Ward-Prowse get put in that shortlist because they both had outstanding seasons. What um, I will say, if, if there's one little thing with them, both with um, James Ward-Prowse particularly coming in, I think he's a brilliant player. I really, really do. But has Mason Mount been playing golf or something? I was actually going to say, is there something, <laughs> an omission? Um, you always... yeah, that, that, that's my one, because James Ward-Prowse again. Brilliant for Southampton. Fantastic season. Playing a massive, massive part in them avoiding relegation, in them, of them being sucked into the relegation battle. But Mason Mount has been brilliant for Chelsea. Chelsea's top scorer in the league. Nine assists. Just re- a player really coming into his own. Um, and I think he should have certainly have been considered, at least for the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few other names that I could put I could throw out there, but we literally, we quite literally but, don't I have mean, Bernardo Silva's probably un- unlucky as well. I Virgil think van Dijk. Been, yeah, I mean, there's so many top players knocking around in the Premier League these days, isn't there? So, um, yeah. manager, um, I think 
two of them are probably the most obvious um, candidates in Guardiola and Klopp. Also got in there Patrick Vieira, Thomas Frank, who definitely should be for that unbelievably good first season, and Eddie Howe, who I've been saying for weeks should be winning this. If he can get him, if he can get the top half, but the, I mean, as soon as I started banging on about it, yes, they started losing games. I'll admit that. <laughs> but the, the team hadn't won a game since he came in. And they're now on four, 43 points in with a shout at the top 10. He's done a magnificent job. I think it's one of these where I've said it before. It's whether you're judging it on. Like Guardiola and Klopp, yes, they might go win trophies, but have they done anything you've not expected? Well, do you remember last year? Yeah, yeah. Because if you remember last year when me and H both said that David Moyes, yeah, and Guardiola won it last year. Mm. But he he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Manager with the best team wins the league. So, um, one of the best managers in the league, as I say. Um, You get the idea. For me, it's Thomas Frank, um, mm. because and I, I couldn't begrudge you a Yeti House shout. Couldn't begrudge you at all. Uh, I just think they came in and that, that two 0 winning against Arsenal was a great start, but then they really did discover what the Premier League was about. And at a point not too long ago, I was saying that they would have been my third team mm. to go down, and. The introduction of Christian Eriksen has been fantastic. On Eriksen, I'll just quickly jump in. If we had a sign-in of the season, he'd have to be it. Quite quite possibly. Quite possibly. He's just been brilliant. And you you just have to look at the stats and the figures and the amount of points that it's been worth since he's come in. He's just been phenomenal, and it, it's a brilliant—it's a brilliant fairy tale story for him to come back in the way he has for so many reasons. It, it, it's fantastic, uh, but yeah, for me, Thomas Frank because to adjust to the way they have first season of the Premier League, he really, really does deserve a lot of credit for that. And for me, we'll get my vote for manager of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think you can make strong cases again for. All five, I think Vieira has, has transformed the way we mm-hmm. see Crystal Palace. Maybe they've just not risen high enough to potentially get that. If they'd have got to the cup final, I made the case when they were in the semi-final, they, they got to the final, then he'd have been a strong candidate. But I'm not certainly not surprised for him to get into the top five. Like I said, I think Eddie Howe is a really strong candidate because he's literally transformed Newcastle. People will say, oh, he spent 50 million quid. He spent 35 million quid on, on Bruno Gimras, which is probably about average for a, a decent centre-mid. He looks a 70 million quid centre-mid to <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> he, look, he looks better than 35 million. <laughs> and then, obviously, they got, you know, the other signings were, obviously, Trippy was a sort of headline signing because of his reputation. But then Matt Tiger and Dan Byrne were probably people thinking, why have they signed them? Master strokes. And he's got that team playing in a style and there's... There's a lot, obviously, around the club that's that's changed, and I think he's he's done a fantastic job, and I think well worth being in it. But we both know it's going to be Klopp or Guardiola, so uh, <laughs> it, it really shouldn't be. Yeah, because like I said before, thing is, if Klopp finishes second, whoever finishes second, no dis- in terms of Premier League, just solely Premier League, as this should be judged. By the way, 
whoever finishes second has failed. Haven't they really? Because they've not done the ultimate aim in the Premier League of winning it. It's as a, awful as that sounds in terms of when they... Yeah. But if you've not won the league, if you're getting manager of the year for finishing second when it's a two-horse race... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whoever <laughs> finishes second has ruled out. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and like I think the other three have, have done something that we didn't really expect. Because um, I think a lot of people tipped Palace to go down, didn't they? So I think I would go Frank or Howe, probably just shading with Howe, and you said Frank, so... We're in agreement there that it shouldn't be Guardiola or Klopp, which is the main thing. And then this annoys me, the fact that Young Player of the Year has two candidates for Player of the Year, but your man Mason Mount's in there. Good, good. Well, uh, to me, Mason Mount just seems like he's, he's too old for this because he's been around forever, seemingly. Yeah. Same with Trent. With Trent um, I think the well, cutoff should be 21. I mean, yeah, there's, there's so many in, in there that you think they just seem to be too old for, for this. Um, but just to read off the nominees, we've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Liverpool, Phil Foden, City, Conor Gallagher, Crystal Palace, Tariq Mitchell, Crystal Palace. I think straight away that suggests why Patrick Vieira is in the uh, manager shortlist, by the way. Uh, Mason Mount for Chelsea, Ramsdale for Arsenal, Declan Rice, West Ham, Bakay Saka for um, Arsenal. For me, there's one glaring um, candidate for to, to win this, but I'm interested to see see what you think first, Chris. Uh, well, at least I don't think we're going to have an Eden Hazard situation because I remember Eden Hazard won. Eden Hazard one year was on two lists, was on both lists. Mm. He won Player of the Season, but then didn't win Young Player, which doesn't make sense. Exactly. This is why it's flawed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, for me... Oof. I feel like I'm under pressure now if you're saying this, but um, look, I, 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 I'm leaning towards Alexander Arnold. Um, I, Even I though you said Mason, Mason Mount should have been a <laughs> candidate for Player of the Year, but... yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I think he should have been there. Didn't say he should have won it. Um, I'm leaning towards Trent. Uh, you know, again, his assist numbers are crazy. Um, I think his defending has improved, um, of course. I'm not saying he's perfect, but I think he's better than what people give him credit for. Uh, you then look at Saka, brilliant bounce back from the Euros. Mount speaks for himself. Gallagher's had a great season, Crystal Palace. Mitchell, I think he's only, you know, he's only conceded three goals against players playing in his position, which is phenomenal. Um, Ramsdale, Rice, Foden, you know, all players that very bright futures absolutely um but i'm leaning towards you can see me here leaning I'm <laughs> leaning towards trent alexander arnold i can understand it um but for me it's for Saka. he's been outstanding this season and like you touched on the way he's responded to the setback of missing a crucial crucial penalty in uh, in the Euros final, and when you compare that to Rashford and Sancho, who went through the same experience and nosedived in terms of form for the club afterwards, he's just gone from strength to strength. And I think that was epitomised by I can't remember who he took the penalty against. It was Chelsea, wasn't it? Um, where he stepped Chelsea up and, scored the and penalty. Manchester United. You know, he's, he's after missing his last penalty, he then took two 
crucial penalties and nailed them. And he just looks such a great player now. You know, not in terms of the potential. He he looks as though he he's he's got a bit of everything. I think he's a superb player. He scored um, eleven goals, six assists, which is you know for um, a wide player with very good numbers, um, especially when he's more of a old-fashioned wide player compared to yeah. You, yeah. what you see with your, your Salah um, tight. There really is a lot to like about him. Yeah, and uh, his temperament's first class as well, and he's 20, so he falls well within the young player yeah. bracket, yeah. doesn't he? Um, so he would be my... I, I have, I have just realised I said 21 should be the cutoff, and I've said a 23-year-old should win it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I change my mind? Yeah. I mean, we've got... Phil Foden on there, I think, um, played 27 games. Has he played enough to, to warrant an entire season's worth um, of, a, of an award? I think you've got to have played 30 myself. Um, and he, he'd have to play, well, he can't make 30 now. Um, I think it's good to see a goalkeeper on there. Goalkeepers Union signed together um, in Aaron Ramsdale. He's surprised quite a few, hasn't he, this season? And Conor Gallagher has been a revelation for Crystal Palace. Um, yeah. And I think he's an absolute dead cert to be playing first team for Chelsea next season myself, unless somebody wants to throw a lot of money at him. Yeah, which you're, talk, you're, I, talking, you're talking big bucks. And I think he'd probably, probably be worth a good 40 million quid. Um, if you wanted a midfield player for the long call, I think, is there if Chelsea, if Chelsea don't want to put him straight in, I, I think they'd have a problem keeping him. But yeah, I think Saka's my call. Um, but I, I couldn't argue too much against Trent. He's had another outstanding season. 12 assists from fullback. It's just phenomenal <laughs> numbers. 17 clean, clean cheats in that back four. And like I said, the defensive um, ability shown this season is, um, is such a, a move on from what we've seen. Um, but yeah, but I think um, we'll see how that goes. It'll, let's face it, it'll, we know he's getting the manager of the year. It's one of the big two. Um, but the others, are, I think, are fairly wide open, especially this one. But we'll see how it all goes. But I think that's just uh, just about it. Um, ahead of the, the cup final. So Chelsea or Liverpool will be winning the second domestic silverware of this season um, and then we'll be watching the UK get Nibois in Eurovision um, <laughs> and then yeah, a couple of games to decide the outcome at the bottom potentially before we reconvene with a one match day to go after the next podcast so uh, hopefully it'll still be all to play for 15 more well. days of the European season 15 more days and then we've got a really nice and short waits until it kicks off again, luckily. But we'll save it the last few games because it's going to be super exciting, I'm sure. Uh, but my thanks to Chris Goffman for joining me, Chris Dot. And thanks for everyone who's tuned in. As always, um, make sure you catch us for our next one next time before the final day of the Premier League season. But for now, it's goodbye. <laughs>